You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. I am mediocre white man. Call me Raw. Thanks for that introduction, Molly. My name is Bradley. Hello, it's very nice to be here with you all. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about something that happened a long time ago to me in the mists of time. I want to take you all the way back to 1999. I was a fresh-faced 21-year-old. Uh, Prince had led me to believe that this year was going to be a non-stop party. <laughs> so, so I was more than a little surprised to find myself on a campsite, camping alone on a campsite in a town called Shepparton in northern Victoria in Australia, waiting for a pear harvest. Um, I was backpacking, I was doing a studenty backpacking thing, and I'd ended up in Shepparton, which at the time produced 13% of the world's tin pears. Uh, and I was there to pick those pears, uh, because there was work available, so I went up there. But I got there early and the harvest wasn't ready, so I was waiting around on this campsite on my own. Um, and there were things to avoid on the campsite. There was a spot taken up by some people. Uh, one of them had a, a, a Toyota Hiace camper van, and the other had this huge uh, ten-berthed tent. <coughs> and uh, they had all these signs strung up in between the tent and the camper van that said things like, VB Camp and Feral Camp open 24 hours. Now, I didn't understand what any of that meant, but uh, I learned over time that VB... Um, if anybody's been to Australia, you'll probably have come across it. Or, or, or a walkabout. If you've been to a walkabout in the UK, you might have had a VB. It's Victoria Bitter. And it was the drink of choice in Victoria at that time. Not Forex, not Fosters. VB. Victoria Bitter. And I avoided these guys because they look like the sort of people who should be avoided. <laughs> they look scary. They look dangerous. Uh, and they were advertising themselves as feral. So I thought, I'm just going to avoid them. Uh, I'd been waiting there for the pair hours to start, and I was also waiting for my guitar to arrive. I'd, um, uh, for various boring reasons I won't go into, my guitar had followed me to Australia rather than coming with me. Um, and my aunt, who lived uh, further south in Victoria, had very kindly said that she would bring it up to me when it arrived. And so she did. So I um, trundled across this campsite one day to meet my aunt, who had uh, brought my guitar for me, like a good uh, aunt for her nice nephew. <laughs> and, uh, and got my guitar, which was fabulous, because I hadn't played it for, for ages. And it was nice to have it back. Um, walking back to my tent with the guitar, one of these fellas in the VB camp noticed. And he said, oh, you play the guitar, do you? Like, Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Uh, oh, you have to come over and give us a tune. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, I'm just going to put it back up there. Maybe later. Um, I have no intention of going back. But uh, they were persistent, and eventually I just thought, well, okay, we'll go over there, I'll say hello, I'll play in a tune, and I'll be on my way. So I went over there, got my guitar out, I hadn't played for a long time, so I was a bit rusty, but I thought I'll just quickly bang out, crowd pleaser, I'll do Brown Eyed Girl, Van Morrison, everybody likes that, they can all sing along, they can do the sha la la and uh, <laughs> everybody will happy. So I banged it out, ready to leave, uh, and one of the more aggressive looking gents as part of, part of the camp uh, just turned around and said, 
And it's fucking grouse, mate. Keep playing. <laughs> I was genuinely baffled. I was, what? I was grouse. <laughs> I, have you, has anybody been to Australia and heard this term? Because nobody ever since I've left has ever come across this term before. Grouse. It means good, apparently. So he was happy with what I did. He handed me a tepid can of BB and said, keep playing. And that was it. Eight hours later, I'm not exaggerating, eight hours later, my voice had gone, my fingers were bleeding. I had, I had, I'd lost, because I hadn't played for so long, I lost the calluses that you get from playing guitar. My fingers were bleeding. I ended up in a tent with some person that I wasn't familiar with earlier. And, and that's how I became a VB camper. So the VB campers were, there were two guys at the core of this group. Uh, one was called Red, and predictably, they're Australian. He had red hair, didn't he? He had, a, he had short red hair, had bleary red eyes, lots of freckles, and he was sunburned a lot of the time. Um, he was the aggressive one who handed me the, uh, the can of beer after I finished playing that first song. Then there was Steve, who owned the camper van. Uh, the tent was Red's. And then there were various other people who just sort of came and went. There was Feral Steve. Um, called feral because A, we had to distinguish him from the other Steve, uh, and B, because he was really feral. It was like, yeah. he, he was one of those people who just do anything that you suggested. It's sort of like, I bet you couldn't walk through that fire, Steve, could you? No shoes on. About a foot, mate. And off he'd go. Uh, I saw him once. Have you ever come across bull ants that they have in Australia? They're really big ants that have a really nasty bite. We made him eat them, and he did. Um, so I became part of this group, and, and basically the next few days uh, on this campsite, ha having spent a, a few days there already in quiet solitude, um, were, were spent in a drunken haze with just occasional trips into town to the drive-through bottle shop, because that thing exists, um, to, to go through and buy slabs of beer, slabs of VB, we'd bring them back and we'd get an esky, uh, a cool box full of ice, and we'd put these things on ice and we'd just sit there and talk nonsense and drink beer and wait for the pear harvest. While I was there for the pear harvest, I never really got to the bottom of why they were there. There were definitely, and I'm not stereotyping here, there were hushed conversations about where they couldn't go. Every time there was a sort of whiff of authority in the form of a policeman, there was, there was some hiding. And they were generally, some of, them, some of them were on the run from the law. They, they just were. I don't know why, and I didn't ever get to the bottom of it, but they were. Anyway. Um, after a while, I decided that after you know a few days in this drunken haze with these complete strangers, I thought, actually, I've got to sort this out. I can't, I can't carry on like this. So I'm going to run out of money. So, I so I said to them, look, I'm up, I'm up here to, to, to start on the pear harvest, and I'm, I'm you know it's supposed to be starting soon. I need to go and get a job on the orchard. And they're like, no worries, mate. We'll sort you out. We'll, we'll take you out there. So one of them knew one of the managers from the orchard. So they just drove me out to the to, to the orchard, got me a job, just just like that. They sorted out, sorted out my accommodation on the orchard as well. This is fantastic. The accommodation on the orchard was a little strange. They were prison huts. Uh, at some point, this place had been a prison, so there were like these sort of uh, fairly spacious room, I suppose, but with bars on the door. Um, and, then there was a, and then there was a canteen in the middle, which just had sort of really stark metal benches all down the middle and a very serviceable kitchen um, and a big walk-in fridge and things like that. So um, they dropped me off there, said, you know, good luck, mate, off you go. Uh, and, they, and they cleared off, and I stayed on this campsite, and suddenly everything was really quiet again. And it was like, oh, I kind of miss those guys. But uh, So I, I sat there, and I thought, right, I'll get back into my Pacific lifestyle of, of uh, living off sandwiches and Vegemite and stuff, and, uh, and I'll just see how it goes. And we were still waiting for the pear harvest to start. 
So we would spend days just sat in this canteen and we'd chat to people and you know, avoid certain people like that one guy who was about six foot four and had a skinhead and a massive beard and various tattoos that looked a little bit swastikery at times. <laughs> and, and, and he just looked scary, so we avoided him as he sat in the corner and nursed a can of VB all day. I got chatting with this girl, Penny, and she was very nice. You know, we chatted to her, she stole my food, things like that. Um, and then on one day we were sat there, it was particularly hot, and this is, this is January, this is January in Northern Victoria, so it was, it was about 45 degrees centigrade most of the time during the day. So it was blisteringly hot, there was no aircon or anything, but we used to sit in, sit in the canteen just for the shade and the company. Um, and one day we were sat there on a particularly boring afternoon playing cards, and a familiar shape flies past the window of the canteen. It was the VB bus, Steve's campervan. And it was an odd thing that it came flying past the window because there wasn't a road there. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I poked my head out the window and lo and behold, they parked up under the washing lines. Um, and I thought, this is going to be interesting, isn't it? Lo and behold, a few hours later, and again, people always think I'm exaggerating, but about three or four hours later, the place was full of beer, the place was full of people. We had people dancing on the tables. Somehow, I never got to the bottom of this, People from the neighbouring farm had heard about the party and had come. That was 20 miles away. <laughs> and they'd come and travelled to, to party and dance on the tables and the guitar was out and we were playing songs and, and everybody was having a lovely time. The pear harvest started, so finally I got to go out and do some pear picking. Um, it's not a great occupation, if I'm honest. It was, uh, you, get, you get a ladder and you get a bag and you have to start at 4 o'clock in the morning and you go out into these orchards and... Uh, they provide 13% of the world's pears. These are big orchards. Mm. Uh, they just go on for miles. And you get these bins at, at, at various points between the trees. And you climb up the ladder with your, ba with your bag and you fill up your bag and then you empty it into the bin. And, and you've got, I think it was a time of something like $26 to fill a bin of pears. And you'd be like going to the bloke to ask for it. And then he goes, no, it's not full. You know, fill it up and you know, get a few more pears in there. And it was really depressing because I was rubbish at it. And it took ages, and I was sort of like, $26, I'm barely filling one of these a day, and it was, it was tedious. So I, I, I'll, I'll admit that my performance with pear picking might have been influenced by the fact that, of course, the BB campers were there, so we were spending, <laughs> as soon as the afternoon knocked off, you finished by midday because it was too hot to, to, to pick anymore. So you go back to the camp and you start drinking again, and that often led to sort of three in the morning drinking, and sort of, oh, no, I've got to get up for work in an hour, that sort of thing. Um, so that might have affected my uh, pear picking performance. But anyway, one day, um, Red, uh, the skinhead guy, had, uh, he, he got himself a job driving the tractors. Um, he would, uh, he'd drive a tractor with a sort of forklift thing on the front that would pick up the, uh, um, these big crates of pears and take them back to the storehouse. Uh, and in one of his more hungover moments, he managed to crash the, uh, the tractor into a pear tree. So crashing a crate full of pears into a pear tree he's frowned upon in the pear picking community, <laughs> and, and he was fired. So he came back to the camp to the campsite one afternoon, and we we were sitting there having a beer, uh, and he came back and he said, uh, oh, "I just got fired. Uh, fuck this, I'm off to Perth." I was like, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, fine." And he turned to Steve and he said, "You want to come?" And Steve was like, "Yeah." Steve Steve had not got a job in all this time. Steve wasn't the kind of guy to dirty his hands picking pears. He was a wheeler and dealer. He was a geezer. The Australian version of a geezer. Um, he did deals and he always had loads of money. Um, <laughs> nobody knew what he was up to. Um, but Steve agreed to go to Perth with, uh, with Red. And then uh, Dougie, who we'd become friends with. Now, Doug was the six foot four guy with the beard and the tattoos. And uh, 
he was terrifying, but I've become friends with him because he played guitar too. So we become friends, Penny was there, and Beryl Steve was there, and suddenly all these people are like, yeah, yeah, let's go to Perth. Uh, and then they said, Bransby, do you want to come to Perth? And I was like, oh yeah, why not? Uh, so I went in and I started packing my stuff up, and I thought, I don't know where Perth is. <laughs> <laughs> I should check. <laughs> so I got my Lonely Planet guide to Australia out. Perth in Victoria. It's like, Steve, where's Perth? It's like, WA. Do you mean Western Australia? Yeah. How far is it? Like 4,000 kilometers. <laughs> <laughs> so I had a little panic at that point. And before this holiday, before this trip, I, I, I think I, I could have described myself as a risk-averse kind of guy, to be honest. I, 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 I wasn't I wasn't particularly outgoing, she'll deny this, but I wasn't particularly <laughs> outgoing, and I was a little bit sort of, you know, I'd been on my own on that campsite before they'd sort of dragged me into their group. And, and that was a bit of a turning point for me, because it was sort of like, I should stay on this orchard and earn some money picking pears, or I could go and get lost across the null of the desert with a bunch of criminals who I've just met two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I put my rucksack on top of the BB van, <laughs> and, and off we went. Uh, that trip was astonishing. The first stop, I fell asleep in the van. Three hours later, we barely left, you know, Shepparton. We, 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 the distances out there are just ridiculous. The first stop, I even remember getting woken up and just somebody shouting at me, Brandy, get out, get your guitar. What? What? And suddenly, I'm just thrust into this uh, roadhouse with sticky carpets and just like a few stragglers towards the end of the night. It's like, play something. So I start playing the guitar. I lock in. Straight away, all these people suddenly <laughs> turn up. Um, Dougie learns to play uh, Hotel California, uh, which I can't play, so he plays it, I sing along. And we just have this lock-in that goes on until three in the morning. And this just happens everywhere we stop. For the, for the next five days, we were driving across Australia, and we'd stop in this, we, we went to Port Augusta and got involved in some disco. And, and we're there, me and Steve there on the dance floor, getting our moves on, and, uh, and these ladies start dancing with us, and I'm dancing with this woman, and she says, oh, if my husband could see me now, he'd kill me. And her husband turns up with all the mates, and we had to make a sharp exit. And we, we, just, we just suddenly got bundled out of this pub by this bunch of people who said, you need to come back to ours quickly, or you can get heads kicked in. Like, okay, so we went back to their house and uh, we stayed at this complete stranger's house. He lets me sleep on his couch. Dougie, for some reason, decided he wasn't going to sleep in the house, he was going <laughs> to sleep in the garden on a mattress. They had a dog, a really big dog, who was super friendly and really nice, but so excited to have a friend uh, sleeping with him in the back garden, which he'd never had before. And the dog just barked at Dougie all night <laughs> until, until about five in the morning when he stole Dougie's mattress. <laughs> uh, stole Doug's mattress, and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Just Doug coming in and go, Dog's on fucking mattress. <laughs> it was brilliant. Anyway, so this trip just went on like this. We'd stop at we'd places like Iron Knob and Kimber and Midura, and there'd be a lock-in at a roadhouse, and we'd get the guitar out, and we'd, and we'd play songs, and people would sing along, and it was just insane. And I want this story, because of this trip, which was life-changing and brilliant, I want this story to have a happy ending. But there is one, because Dougie fell out with Penny halfway across, and Dougie just suddenly walked off one night and managed to hitchhike back to Perth quicker than we got there. Um, and then when we got to Perth, everything just started to fall apart. We met, we went up with Dougie again, and he got back on, back on smack, he was on heroin, and, and he'd been sharing needles with a guy on some underpass, and it was just, and I remember having this conversation with Dougie about his, his hero was Angus Young from ACDC, and he just told me about his, his desire to get a, a Gibson SG, like, like Angus plays. And then the next time I saw him, he was just dead-eyed and trying to play the guitar and couldn't, and it was heartbreaking. And then, and then Steve stole my credit card to buy a train ticket 
back east, and I, uh, I didn't find out until months later. And it all went to shit. But I will always have that trip. I will always have done that thing. I will always have played in those road houses. So I regret nothing. <laughs> True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website, truestorieslive.co.uk. We're super grateful to be supported by Arts Council England, Norfolk County Council and Writer Centre Norwich. 